Okay, I know I promised that I would keep the episodes to an hour. But let's face it, when you get gamers talking about gaming, that's a pretty dicey proposition. This is the Veteran Wargamer. This is the Veteran Wargamer. I'm your host, Jay Arnold. Welcome to Episode 2, and we have a great show for you. I'm going to be talking with my brother, Chris Arnold, uh, later in the show about the Recruits Gaming Convention. First, I am very pleased to announce that the Veteran Wargamer podcast is now sponsored by King's Hobbies and Games. We are joined by Tim Spikowski of King's Hobbies and Games. Hey, Tim. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I really, really appreciate you sponsoring the show uh, the way you have. This is going to really help me get this show off the ground. And um, I'm actually really excited to bring King's Hobbies and Games to my listeners. Uh, as you know, I've been a customer of yours almost from day one. And uh, yes, sure have. <laughs> I think I think folks probably want to know what it is that that you do and what you offer. Um, well, I do my best to offer the, the best products that are out there. Uh, I cannot carry everything. I didn't want to be a big brand store, um, but I do want to specialize. And one of the products that I do specialize in is a product called Gamer's Grass. And Gamer's Grass self-adhesive tufts that can be applied to your bases uh, or uh, you know terrain bases or your figure bases. They range from two millimeter all the way up to 12 millimeter and they're very popular. They're, Gamers Grass is based out of Portugal and about a year and a half ago, I saw their wonderful product and wanted to become a distributor and just started from there. So that's one of the, the biggest products that I carry that most other stores don't offer. There's different, there's definitely def, uh, different variations of Tufts, but um, I highly recommend. The, the big thing for me when I open my store is I wanted to actually carry products that I use, uh, meaning I use Gamers Grass. I use those on my bases. That's why I recommend them. I carry Winsor Newton Series 7 brushes. I use those. I carry broken toad brushes. I use those. Uh, so I, I guess I try to specialize in things that I use and I can recommend, which can help save the, the gamer time and money. Okay. And when you're talking about money on the gamer's grass, especially, what what do you, I forget what you're charging for a strip and how many uh, little puffs are on a strip, but I I got some of your six millimeter tufts and comparing them against other brands first off they're yours are a more regular shape they're more predictable in that way and ad additionally you get a ton more well not literally a ton send your complaints to the, <laughs> my email but uh, uh okay not literally a ton but you get quite a few more for the dollar i noticed right it's definitely a, a higher quality the regular strip of gamers grass at between two to six mil is four dollars a piece and the numbers of tufts vary it just depends it's it's 30 to 40 sometimes it's less sometimes it's more it just depends upon the size there's a wild uh which is a little uh a little bit bigger pieces but less quantity there's also medium size that has a whole bunch of them on the strip it's, it's just something that you need to check out the 12 mm -hmm. millimeter is five dollars and fifty cents. Those are great for twenty-eight millimeter gamers. Great for 
jungle vignettes and stuff like that. We also sell flowers. That is a very popular product. And those are $5.50 a strip as well. Okay. Now, I noticed that recently, well, not even that recently, I guess in the last six months or so, you, you've started carrying MIG products as well. Uh, what, yeah. what are your experience with those, and how do those help the, the gamer and modeler? MIG products were first produced for modelers. And for whatever reason, their marketing kept them at the modeler level. It, they didn't really expand out to war gamers. Just recently, they started coming out with packs of paints, the triads and stuff like that designed and geared for war gamers. I've used MIG products since about 2008. They're wonderful. They're great for bringing out detail. Their weathering products are awesome. Uh, I, I mean, I just I can't say uh, enough about them. They're very good products. They have a great book on how to paint wargaming tanks, which I carry and I highly recommend. It's it's just the the thing with MIG is it, it specializes in weathering your vehicles, making your vehicles look more realistic, and they offer products that I think uh, the the other brands don't offer. Okay. Uh, now, another thing that you've re- more recently gotten into and something I'm really excited about is the 3D printing. And yes. I've I've purchased a number of 3D printed objects from you. And <laughs> I got to say, not only the breadth of designs that you're able to provide, uh, because I just say, hey, I want, I want X, Y, and Z. What do you got for me? You go out, you find designs for me, and then you print them and then you send them and within a week I've got the the toy that I wanted mm-hmm. and um, how are things going in that in that regard 3d printing has taken off tremendously for me I have a team of seven designers that are working uh, around the clock basically because they're all over the world uh, that I give them objects that I would like created in drawings and they create them for me and I also create them in, in CAD and I print them out. I think it's a huge step for our hobby. It, it allows us to be creative. It allows us to take something that we have in, a thought in our head that we may not have known how to produce or had the skill to produce earlier, but now with a 3D printer, you have that ability. So I, it's, I, I see 3D printing just changing the industry, especially at, at our level at a basement gamers level you i have a small printer farm of seven printers it started off as one it's kind of like gremlins i added water and they just kept (laughs) expanding and i've seen the demand for really nice quality pieces 3d printing isn't perfect you're not going to get the 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 perfect model that that's where the plastic mold injection uh is really you know that's what's so popular, but at, for our level, it's perfect. Well, I, I just got to think that with uh, some of the artifacts left over from the from the printing process, that might be an interesting, you know, those those textures that are left might be an interesting modeling choice for people who, you know, might want a little bit more rougher texture on some of their some of their models. Because let's face it, the the real vehicles aren't smooth. I mean, yeah, it's not going to be a perfect replication of a Zimmerit application, but, you know, it does have that texture that, you know, many of the real vehicles had. Or maybe your sci-fi vehicle has the sci-fi equivalent of Zimmerit on it. 
mm-hmm. um, if you're not familiar, the Zimmerit is uh, anti-magnetic paste that Germans uh, troweled onto their vehicles in the later stages of World War II to fend off uh, magnetic mines. But uh, yeah, I I'm more than pleased with what I've what I, with what I've gotten from you, and I recognize I recognize that they're not they're not display pieces. I'm not a display painter. I I paint at the at the three foot gaming table standard where if it looks good from three feet it's good enough so the uh the product that you've been sending me is is perfect for that and i've i get nice little surprises like i asked for some type of uh some types of cargo boxes and in containers to put into a uh into a shuttle bay that i'm working on for a for a shipboarding game and lo and behold, there were okay crates and containers and whatnot. And there was <laughs> there was one uh, container that had the lid taken off, and there was a robot in it. And I thought that was great. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a lot of uh, a lot of people offer uh, designs that's out there already, uh, and they're really cool. You know, it's just it's 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 a neat it's a definitely a neat addition to our hobby. Yeah. I, I, what I'm trying to do from from the, uh, King's Hobbies and Games is fill in the gaps that other manufacturers uh, have not filled in yet. Mm-hmm. I produce design and produce a lot of vehicles in 15, 20, and 28 millimeter. I can also produce uh, some of them in six millimeter. It just depends upon the size, you know, the quality that you want. And surprisingly, I'm selling a lot of civilian vehicles used either for contracting over in Iraq and Afghanistan around the world or just regular European civilian vehicles. That's, there's a hole there for us gamers. Right. That my sales have, oh my gosh, it's just, it's kept me very busy. So what I do is I, I go out in the Facebook groups and say, guys, give me a list of things that's missing that you'd like to see if I get enough demand for the particular, uh, vehicle i then put my designers to work and um and get it produced yeah that's that's spectacular i mean it's exactly what you're talking about you you're fulfilling the need that's there that due to economies of scale the traditional model manufacturers can't fulfill because they know they're not going to they're not going to sell the hundreds or even thousands of uh Ford Explorers right. that they need to make their money back. But you can sell 10 or 15 of them, pay your pay your designer, and pay yourself a little for your trouble. Yep. That's what it's about. You know, it's for me, it's it make, making a good product at a good price and giving back to the community. Right. Right. Know, and trying to, to fit that need. No. So. Well, again, Tim, thanks so much for your sponsorship of the show. Uh, thanks for coming on today. I, I like for I look forward to having you on the show again. Uh, not necessarily to talk about King's hobbies and games, but any number of gaming topics. You and I have talked many times before on a variety of topics at length. Um, so definitely look forward to that. How can folks find King's hobbies and games, Tim? My website is www.kingshobbiesandgames.com. My Facebook is kingshobbiesandgames.com. My email address is tim at kingshobbiesandgames.com. So I have many different uh, ways you can find me. Okay. 
All right, well, with that, folks, uh, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, and when we come back, I'll be here in the bunker with my brother, Chris. Thanks again, Tim. You're welcome. Thank you. And we are back. Uh, Today, we've got my brother, Chris Arnold, in the bunker, recording live. Uh, So... As I mentioned earlier, uh, Chris does live in Illinois with me. He lives in Springfield. I live over here in Pleasant Hill. And this, well, actually for about two years now, he's lived in Illinois. And as I mentioned in the last episode, he is my primary gaming partner. So I was glad to have, I'm glad to have him around, and I'm glad to have you in the bunker today. Yeah, thanks, Jay. Uh, really glad to be here. It's uh, been fun being back together within an hour and a half and not, you know, 15-hour drive to Austin. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, it's it's good. Yeah, so I guess I guess what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a page out of the D6 Generations book and turn it a little bit. What makes you a veteran wargamer? What makes me a veteran wargamer? Well, um, just that I have been playing games, all sorts of games, board games, miniatures games, uh, even video games for many, many years, as you had spoken about uh, previously on the uh, last episode, we kind of got into it together. Um, just uh, being around over in uh, Independence, Missouri, to uh, uh, Hobby Haven, uh, playing a lot there. I even remember uh, another uh, game store that's not there anymore, uh, Yankee Doodle, on the south side of Kansas City, doing a lot of gaming there too. Just you know, kind of took the same original steps as you did, but uh, had a bit of a divergence when you went off to to the military and I went off to school. Uh, I got together with uh, our best friend Chris Copeland, and we picked up a game called General Quarters, which is a World War II naval combat game. And uh, we decided, uh, yeah, this is... It's not as crunchy as we would like. It, it was very, very vague in its uh, workings. And so we immediately started, uh, as we did with uh, Axis and Allies in Scotland Yard, started putting together our own uh, rule set. And uh, that started, what, uh, about 1990, 1991. Uh, and we worked through that. Got it to a playable uh, existence about 1995 when uh, we introduced it at uh, a game convention in Kansas City called Skirmishes. And uh, then continued to play it that first year we were there. They did, a, they did a best of show for the convention and they chose ours. So we were pretty, uh, pretty chuffed about that and decided to, well, you know, maybe we could go with this. I finally got burnt out working on it and set it aside and really didn't get back into gaming from about 1997 until about 2003 or 2004 when in uh, living in Austin I showed up at a a game store and uh, met up with a friend or met a guy who became a friend uh, who was just getting back into gaming. both got back into uh, Warhammer 40k, 4th edition. Uh, we both played uh, Blood Angels, 
or a derivative thereof and uh, <clears throat> we would go and play at the uh, monthly tournaments because well it was a guaranteed three games and the uh, it always seemed that we would lose the first game uh, against our respective opponents and the the tournament organizer would come to us and say okay well y'all are playing uh, game two against each other okay we would play our game and have a lot of fun and he'd come back to us like well y'all are gonna have to play against each other on game three okay not a problem and this is Russell you're talking about yeah this is Russell uh, dear dear friend of mine from Austin um, he's uh, he was my primary gaming buddy uh, living in Austin uh, doing not just uh, miniatures gaming but also uh, role-playing he was our dungeon master uh, for many sessions and then I picked up and was a dungeon master a couple of times for our RPG games anywhere from standard uh, Pathfinder to uh, just a multitude of other different games and it was it was good times uh, then uh, finally I got with a uh, gaming group there in Austin at uh, Great Hall Games um, primarily uh, historical and got rolling with that uh, started playing uh, Flames of War World War II uh, again running in tournaments because it was a guaranteed three games every month but then started just uh, getting together with some of the old uh, grognards as they're known as to play all kinds of different things it was uh, every Sunday afternoon I'd go down to the store and we'd push miniatures and, and roll dice and it, it would be uh, could be anything it could be World War II fighters uh, it could have been uh, Mulberrian it could have been Civil War it, it was it was like game of the month club down there uh, which wasn't a bad thing. It really introduced me to a lot of different game systems. Mm. So, uh, and then two years ago, came up here uh, to Illinois for uh, a job opportunity, and uh, just being able to get back and uh, play games with uh, you. It's been uh, quite fun. Yeah, I I would agree with you there. The uh, um, the ups and downs. The you know the our paths diverged for a while and then came back together and I'd, I'd say on the balance that we have similar game taste in games um, for example I know we're both big fans of commands and colors both the ancients and Napoleonics and um, you know we're both both fans of the older Warhammer experience to, to one degree or another I think I'm more of a for, older old time 40k fan than you are but um, yeah it's been a lot of fun the uh, I'm I'm not surprised you didn't mention the the Mother's Day massacre as discussed <laughs> in the last episode, but that's okay. Uh, um, I, I've listened to that episode. I listened to your episode. Uh, well, right after it was uh, uh, launched last week, just before um, recruits, as we're going to talk about later, uh, and uh, my wife was listening, and uh, she is very tolerant of my gaming to the extent that she's actually played games with me as well as uh, she's a f very good uh, miniatures painter in her own right. I can attest to that, yes. Um, so, you know, Donna definitely makes sure that I get my fix, as it were. Uh, she would used to tell me, 
it'd be like almost 12.30 on a Sunday afternoon down in Austin. He said, aren't you going down to the game store and play? Get out of here. Go. <laughs> so I'm very blessed with uh, having a, a wife of that nature. I would suspect that has more to do with you getting out of her hair than you actually having fun. Well, you, there's that too. She probably would have been fine with you getting arrested by the Austin PD. Yeah, right. Just anything that where she doesn't have to worry about me being underfoot. Right, exactly. So, but no, she's uh, she she's constantly uh, looking at uh, things that uh, will keep me out of her hair, as it were. Yeah. So. Well, you mentioned the recruits show. Um, I didn't originally plan on going to recruits this year. Um, unfortunately, we ended up going to Kansas City last weekend for uh, your father-in-law's funeral, Bill Williams. Um, so we ended up going anyway. Uh, that was on the service was on Sunday, of course, and then we uh, went to recruits on Saturday. And do you know how many how many recruits this is for you that you've been to? Um, I've got to say we were looking at got to be about eight or nine shows at this point i gotta think i'm around seven or eight this is this last recruits was their 25th uh they started uh, i'm not sure exactly what year they started in but when they did when they started it used to be a twice a year event um recruits convention is I, i guess i should back up a little bit and tell folks what recruits what the recruits convention is the Recruits Convention is a game show that's held at Lee Summit High School, which is our alma mater. Um, I graduated in 93, you graduated in 89, and um, it's put on by the game club there at the high school, and it was started by, well, the guy who started the game club is a teacher there by the name of Dwayne Fleck. Uh, you can look for Dwayne Fleck online. Uh, he, he runs Sir Hobbs Hop, uh, War Games. Yes, or Sir Hobbs right. Hobby, something like that. Sir Sir Hobbs. Yeah. Uh, S Y R H O B B S, I believe it is. Yes, that's exactly correct. And he is a distributor for Elheim Miniatures. The you know they've got a wide, wide range of twenty millimeter World War Two and uh, modern figures uh, and other products. But Dwayne started it out, and I went to one of the first ones. I want to say the first one I went to was would have been like oh four or oh five. And it took place in the cafeteria. And it was still relatively small then in comparison. I want to say they, they might have had like 10 or 12 games per session. And started on Friday afternoon, uh, all day Saturday, and then all day Sunday. And they stayed with that for a while. And I want to say I went to two... I want to say I went to two recruits and it was like that. And... Uh, <laughs> and uh, they've it wasn't too long that they grew to the point where they had to move it into the field house they automatically doubled their floor space um, almost triple if you count the mezzanine and they went up to oh gosh you'd have up to 20 games going at one time uh, they've got a they've always had a good response and turnout from vendors as well they've always had a good vendor section and the the mission of the show is to get more young people involved in the hobby, which is why they call it recruits. And um, it's and it's just a really good show. The energy at the show is always great. 
the people who run the shows are always or run the games at the show are always great. There's always a lot of high energy. Um, some of the some of the events that they've had in the past uh, include Flames of War and Warhammer Forty Thousand tournaments. Uh, they've done uh, uh, War Machine and Hordes tournaments as well. Uh, and they used that at one point about a third of the floor space was taken up with tournament play. And uh, it was always a really good environment. There's a couple of Kansas City, long-standing Kansas City clubs that always have a presence. Uh, Hats off, which is a, which is a pretty sizable Kansas City historical club, always has something. Secondhand Lions, uh, they always have imaginative, imaginative games there. Uh, now, Secondhand Lions is a, an off, not I don't want to say an offshoot, but what is, uh, it's what used to be the Lions Den Game Club, which, uh, which is a group I played with when I was in high school. And uh, one thing about secondhand Lions is they, they tend to go for, um, how, how do I want to put this, non-standard gaming figures, for lack of a better term. They, uh, this year they had an Aliens game where the Colonial Space Marines were going up against the Xenomorphs, and they, they must have been 60 millimeter tall toy figures for for the characters and uh, I didn't play in that game but it looked really really cool some of the other games they've done in the past they've taken just standard uh, green army men painted them up to look pretty nice uh, huge board with lots of terrain to go with it um, I did play in a game where he uh, one of the chief members uh, Ken Van Pelt had taken uh, you know that plastic uh, needlepoint weave. Uh, he had taken some of that and cut it up into f- basically made little four or five millimeter tall figures out of it, infantry and cavalry and artillery, and made large steam tanks and was doing a uh, Civil War uh, game based on kind of a steampunk kind of thing. And that was that was really cool. So there's a, like I said, there's a lot of really good looking games every year. And it's it's really worth going to. I should also mention that to get in, how much how much would you pay to get into a show like this normally? You think? Um, three, three day, day show. show, three day show, three day show. Normally in Kansas City, uh, skirmishes back in the nineties was thirty thirty, you know, forty bucks yeah, to get for, in for the and weekend. That was in the nineties. Yeah, and so in the now, early two thousand, in the early two thousands, I would go to when I was in college. I'd go to the uh, show Egyptian campaigns there at, at Southern Illinois University in Carbondale, and it was like forty bucks for the weekend. Yeah, and uh, and, and now it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, game shows these days. I, I saw or I heard on Jonathan Reinhardt's podcast. He was talking. That's the war. That's War Gaming Recon. It's a great show. Also, I'd recommend you to check it out. He was talking about going to a show called Huzzah up in Maine, seventy bucks for the weekend. Good night. And luckily, you don't have to buy tickets for for the different events. Right. So, right. which is I've an added bonus. I've heard a couple of those as yeah. well, where you get in, you know, you pay forty bucks, and then, yeah, to play my game, you got to spend another twenty bones. Like, yeah. No, that's ridiculous. That's that's insane. Recruits, five dollars. Unless you're a student. Unless you're a student, and then it's free. And it's not a student of Lee Summit High School. It's 
student period. Yeah, because I took my kids. They are students at Pleasant Hill Elementary, and they got in for free. And five bucks per person to get into the show for the entire weekend. Yeah, it's insane. You're not gonna find a better. You're not gonna find a better deal at all anywhere. Period. Yeah, it's if you are anywhere within driving distance, or you can uh, swing a swing a ticket to Kansas City International Airport from uh, wherever you live uh, on that second to last weekend in September when it's normally held. Sometimes it's earlier, sometimes it's later. They got to work around the football schedule, but if you can swing it, you got to come. It's really cool seeing. Uh, Seeing the old grognards, the old guard, as it were, running games, and, and seeing uh, kids ages as young as seven or eight, and you know, all the way up to into high school and college, playing games with guys our our age or, or older, with all the same you know focus of, of just having fun, pushing lead, and, and rolling the dice. It's 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 really quite amazing. Yeah, the. Uh... The age range that you see at the show is is pretty spectacular because, I mean, for crying out loud, my six-year-old was there, my 10-year-old was there, and then there were normally, it's it's very rare you see kids that young, mostly it's going to be junior high and above, but you always see kids there. Um, I think this year it was a little low, but I, to be fair, I wasn't there the entire time. Um, I was only there pretty much for Saturday afternoon. But there's almost always a pretty good selection of kids there. And they're playing board games. And they're playing miniature games, sometimes for the first time. And they go to the vendors and they buy board games or stuff that's ready to play right out of the box. And they're doing exactly that. They're getting stuff out of the box and they're in their gaming. There's always open tables available. And it's really, it's just really neat to see. Now, for me, having moved out of the Kansas City area, it's also great to go and see people that I've known and gamed with for years and years and years and years. Um, you mentioned the uh, you mentioned the Yankee Doodle Store, and Scott Newberry was there. He was selling some beautifully painted figures, along with John Harmon, who also had a shop in the Waldo Flea Market. This was the <laughs> coolest game store ever, and. If you're if you weren't in the Kansas City area in the mid to late nineties and knew about Harmon's little <laughs> little squirreled away part of the flea market, you you missed out because basically what it was was John Harmon had product from everything. He had Games Workshop stuff. He had um the original Ogre Miniatures. Now, granted, this is when they were first out. This is in the 90s. Um, he had Warzone. Uh, he had Ralph Partha stuff. He had all kinds of books. And I mentioned him because you had mentioned earlier coming up with your naval combat rules. Right, right. And you got a ton of ships, GHQ oh, yeah. ships from John Harmon uh, at various levels of discount that we won't go into now. So... It was great seeing John there. It was great seeing Scott there. Um, it was great seeing all kinds of people that I hadn't seen before, or I, that I hadn't seen in a long, long time. And then, of course, it's the people that you always see at recruits. Yeah, you were talking about age range with you know your son being six. The uh, one guy, Toby. Toby Geezy, yeah. Yeah, I, 
he was old when we started. Yes. <laughs> and I don't know if he's a necromancer or has a necromancer on staff or but no, he's just he's one of those perennials that you expect to see at the shows. And it, it's like I said, he was just old when he seemed old when we started. Yeah. And, and he's still going strong, and that's what's great about this particular hobby is that age doesn't matter. If you can still get out there and still do your thing, the the ability to to continue to play with all ages is just that's one of the things I really like about it. Right. Absolutely. I mean. The- I mean, the hob- the, of course, the hobby is multifaceted. You've got, if you're into historicals, you've got the research aspect of it. Um, not just in making sure you've got the right color of button lace, but also getting, uh, getting inspiration for scenarios and uh, figuring mm-hmm. out, you know, figuring out how, how effective does that, does that Panzer Mark III need to be, you know, depending on a particular time frame. Or how big does a unit need to be for that game of Gettysburg? And that's just one aspect. And there are people that really, really enjoy that aspect of it. There are people who really, really enjoy the figure painting aspect of it. And, of course, if you're a historical player, the the research dovetails into that. There are people who are into the modeling aspect. And, again, the research dovetails into that, but it also dovetails into the, into the uh, figure painting and the train building. And then there are people who just like to play the games and that's cool too um so there's one good thing about this hobby is that there's something for everyone in my opinion in the hobby and as we've seen you know you take a look at some of the some of the pro level painters and some of them they don't play games they simply paint and collect the figures and that's all they do and that's okay and there are people who play with just barely assembled figures and they're not even primed and that's that's a topic for another discussion but if they're having fun if they're having fun to to step on their toes yeah there's um i'm gonna mention old hammer again for all you old hammer fans this past weekend was also the old hammer in the new world event uh out in virginia and the t-shirt uh, the T-shirt that they devised for it was great. It's it's a stock photo of of some baby from like the 40s or 50s, uh, holding a pipe in his hand or actually in his mouth, and underneath it says, "I'm sorry, old bean, but that's not how that's not the proper way to play pretend soldiers." And <laughs> <laughs> there's something for everybody in this hobby. That's that's one of the great things about the hobby. But getting back to the recruit show, I wanted to talk about. Um, this year in particular, okay. As we've already established, there's always there's always a great raft of games. There's usually the same clubs coming. There's usually the same vendors, and um, you had a little bit more exposure to the show this year than I did. Uh, when did you When did you show up? When did you first hit the hit the floor? I, I uh, got in uh, Friday afternoon, uh, and then decided to head over to the show just to just to see just to uh who uh, was there that type of thing so I, I took my wife with me and we walked around and we then uh you know just looked basically we looked at the vendor see if there was anything that i just couldn't live without and and you know kind of spotted some things that i was going to keep my on, eye on 
Didn't play any games that evening, uh, but, you know, kind of looked at what was going to be there. So, Friday evening was kind of a recon mission, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, got there early Saturday. The, the show, the, the first game uh, is supposed to start at 9 o'clock in the morning. Um, doors open at 8, so the game masters can come in and get all set up. My first game this year was uh, Battlefront's Team Yankee using 1285th scale miniatures, micro mm-hmm. armor. Yeah. With Harold Coyle. Yeah. The author of Team Yankee. Right. Uh, the novel Team Yankee. The novel. Not Team the game Yankee. Team Yankee. Yeah. Right. The, the uh, game obviously takes a, a significant amount of influence from the novel. To the extent that there are excerpts from the novel in the Team Yankee rule book and the American uh, box, as it were, is called Bannon's Boys after Sean Bannon, the Team Yankee commander. Now, back in the, the mid-90s, I remember a certain gamer that had recreated Team Yankee in, two eight, in one two eighty fifth using GHQ figures. Yes, yeah. Um, that, that was something that was... Uh, worked on as well um that certain gamer of course being you yeah yeah um and i've i've got i've got quite a few of uh those models and have expanded quite a bit and and that was really uh based off of uh the the board game team yankee Mm -hmm. um i got a hold of that um probably 1988, 1989, about a year after the book had yeah. been released. Was that GDW, do you recall? I think it was. Yeah. Um, and it was uh, it was a good little game. Uh, enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, you know, being hex-based in the 90s, it was all charty and yeah. had chits galore. Yeah. Um, but it was a fun game, and I thought, you know, this would be cool if we... Uh, we could convert this to miniatures, being the miniature guys that we were, and picked up a GHQ uh, box of uh, M1s and worked on those, and then set them aside until oh about four years ago, and stripped what I had done and repainted them, and so now I've got a full company of M1s, a full company of M60s, a full company of mech infantry and uh, M113s. Uh, a battalion's worth of T-72s and T-55s for the Czech Republic. Or Need more of those. Yeah. If you if you have a battalion of uh, T-72s, you need another battalion of T-72s. That's just how <laughs> One battalion works. good, two battalions better. Right, right. So. Um, Board Game Geek does confirm that GDW uh, published that and designed by Frank Chadwick and Mark Miller. Yes. Mark Miller of... Uh, oh, what... Dang it, now I'm, you made me go and forget. Um, Traveler. Yes. Yeah, Traveler. So uh, the, uh, the bona fides for the designers of this game, are they're impeccable. Sure. But yeah. you were saying about your checks, and I believe you've got an alternate check for us. Yeah. Um, so I decided to you know have a little fun, uh, as, as some miniature gamers like to do, and got a hold of some CNs. <clears throat> CNC uh, M60s and had some CNC T55s and 
took the holes of the M60s and the and the turrets for the T55s and made a special type of tank that uh, can be seen in the late 80s or mid 80s documentary stripes 81 81 yeah stripes came out in 81 so yeah as uh, seen as uh, the EM50 goes rolling into uh, Czechoslovakia being <laughs> chased by well what looks to be an M60 possibly an M48 but, yeah uh, yeah I've got a uh, I got a, a platoon of the, or a company of those yeah just you know to have some fun yeah and an added bonus for the stripes reference the uh, the post where they take their basic training is called Fort Arnold. Fort Arnold, that's right. Yes. Um, actually, Fort Knox is where it was filmed. Yes. But they renamed it Fort Arnold, so, you yep. know, a little something special there. Yeah, Fort Knox actually had an, had an official 25th anniversary uh, party for Stripes this year with the screening on post, and the uh, Human Resources Command drill team recreated the, the uh, drill... Uh, drill routine from their graduation from the movie. Oh, I, I, I had. Oh, you hadn't that. seen that? No. Oh, yeah. You gotta, no. <laughs> you gotta go and check it out. Uh, it's really funny. Need to find uh, the link to that for YouTube and put it in the notes. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes for you. It's it's worth watching. And that that I'll also mention that yes, there will be show notes. Um, you'll be able to check it out on the on the blog, and I'll have the URL for the blog at the end of the show. So. Um, so getting back to Team Yankee, uh, playing it with the author of the book that, inf- you know, directly inspired the game. That's that's a pretty pretty impressive uh, game to have at a at a game show held in a high school gymnasium. That only cost five bucks to get. That into. only cost five <laughs> bucks to get into, and you had something else happen during that game, didn't you? Or while you were there at the show. Yeah. Involving uh, Harold? Yeah, so I have a first edition, third printing hard copy uh, of the novel Team Yankee. And uh, he uh, he took the time uh, very graciously to sign it for me. Uh, I was very uh, thrilled to have that signed. Um, and as, as our, one of our friends, our gaming buddies, uh, Joel, said, the game... The game mechanics were okay, but you stayed for the war stories. Yeah. Um, uh, Mr. Coyle has uh, some really good stories. Uh, actually, when he was signing my book, he was making mention of the best book signing he had ever had. It was in the middle of the night. He's sitting in his tank commander's cupola, and this guy comes storming up to the onto the tank and says, Are you Major Coyle? And uh, he was thinking to himself, how do I answer this? <laughs> and he decided, well, might as well say yes. <laughs> and said, uh, yes, I'm, I'm Major Coyle. Great. Could you sign this for me? And he pulled out, the guy uh, pulled out this dog-eared copy, paperback copy that had been through the ringer of Team Yankee. Nice. And uh, he said, yeah, that was that was probably the best book signing that yeah. he had ever done. Yeah, it and I, I had mentioned field problems in the last episode, and and every soldier who's ever gone out on a field problem has some book in their in their rucksack. And for me, I keep um, 
I keep a storm uh, a storm of steel in my rucksack. It's a world it's a World War One uh, memoir, and uh, well, of course, I also keep FM seven eight, the infantry rifle platoon and squad. But that that's just how I roll. Yeah, because you know that one's really for enjoyment, right? Well, <laughs> you know, your downtime. <laughs> well, it's 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 good reading. But uh, so, what what other games did you did you take part in, or did you that really caught your eye? I should say. Um, actually, there was one. Um, I I got into it for a little bit before I got drawn off, but uh, it was being produced or not produced, but was being uh, presented by Hats Off, and it was Spanish Civil War in twenty eight millimeter. It was a beautiful table. Um, it was. Not quite skirmish level. It was uh, basically squad level movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you're saying that, you mean that the squad was the individual discrete movement element. Right. You move right. your troops as a squad. Yeah. So uh, as a player, you were you're basically a platoon leader. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and it was it was a pretty good game. I ran a couple of rounds. Um, it was based on a D twenty system. Mm-hmm. Um, I really didn't get too deep into it. I was, you know, rolling dice, and you have to get the certain number, as all games are. Right. And, well, that, I, I didn't get real, really deep into the mechanics. I yeah. was just looking to push lead and roll dice. Yeah, and that's what a convention game should be. Exactly. You know, tell me what I need to roll. All right. Did I hit him? Yeah. Did I kill him? No. Okay, I'm gonna roll again. Exactly. It's not your turn. Okay. That that that's what I like in a convention game, where you're yeah. not. When you're when you're not burdened with, you know the the minutia of how the the rules work, and hopefully you've got a game master who's got everything down pat, so, or at least seems like he has everything down pat, and if he's faking it, that's fine too. Yeah, as long as he's making decisions that sound right. Yeah, as long as he's making decisions that sound right and he's consistent, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Uh, one thing I noticed this year that there was a distinct lack of was any type of uh, Star Trek ship-to-ship combat game. Mm-hmm. Um, normally it's Amarillo Design Bureau's uh, Starfleet accounting. I mean, Starfleet battles. <laughs> that's uh, my joke. Yeah, well, you know, it had to be said, right? Well, that's my joke, <laughs> but I stole it from Phil Kilgore. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, I, you know what? I think the last time the last time I went to recruits, I don't recall there being one. I went in... Oh gosh, it's there's a gap there where I didn't go to recruits for a variety of reasons. But the what year was it? I want to say it was like 2000. Well, it was probably 2010 uh, when I went and I ran a Star Trek game using full thrust light. Right. And at the same time, there was a Starfleet Battles game. Of, was it a game or a tournament? I don't forget, or I forget which. But I went around, took a look to see what was going on, noticed the noticed the Starfleet Battles game, set up, played, sat and talked for a little bit with the people who played my Star Trek game, tore down, put the stuff back in the car, went and checked things out again, and to my untrained eye, you know, caveat to my untrained eye, the Starfleet Battles game hadn't moved. Or a couple of ships had moved. Right. They were still in turn one. Uh, always before, uh, with that particular 
group, and it always was the same group year after year, um, they would set aside the entire day. All four gaming sessions were a continuous single game. And if I'm not mistaken, each game session was about a turn. And that's okay. If that's <laughs> if that's what they, they like, playing, that's cool. I that's, that's not me. to my taste. No. But that's okay, yeah. you know. Some people like Hardee's, other people like McDonald's. That's fine. Okay. I like Smashburger. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you. I've never I haven't met a burger I didn't like. Uh, there's so, that. Too. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I you know what there was. Now that you mention it, there was not a lot of sci-fi, really, from what I saw. There was the there was the Aliens game that Secondhand Lions mm-hmm. ran. There was the um, Wasteland Warriors game that I played in with uh, my wife and kids. And I think there's some independent people playing 40k. There, well, there was a 40k tournament down in the in the uh, uh, the uh, in cafeteria. The cafeteria. Oh, I didn't even I didn't even realize that. Yeah, all of the tournaments have been moved down. Oh stairs. wow! Yeah. So it's even bigger than I thought. Right, right. So they had the Warm Hordes tournament. They yeah. had the 40k tournament. They had um, oh, what, you know, the other things that you had mentioned previously have all been moved downstairs. The okay. only tournament that is still upstairs, and it's because it takes such a small amount of space, is the DBA tournament. Yeah, and that's DBA, if you're not familiar, is uh, Debellus Antiquitatis, which is a it's an historical game. It's, it's about as abstract as you can get with it still being considered a miniatures war game. I happen to like it in a, on a friendly note. I don't think I'd like to play a tournament because it gets pretty fiddly with the movement. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I would recommend just give it a try sometimes if you, sometime if you get the opportunity. Um, I happen to like it, um, but I can see why people don't. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, going back to sci-fi stuff, though, there was uh, a game, a couple sessions of uh, All Quiet on the Martian Front, Okay, yeah. Uh, I played that a year or two ago, just as it was coming onto the scene, and then, mm-hmm. of course, as quickly, it came off the scene. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, but it was, You say came off the scene, I say chased away by villagers with pitchforks. Well, there's that, too. <laughs> uh, but needless to say, the uh, the game is, is, if you are, it seems to be a, a 40K derivative, mm-hmm. D6s, you know. Yeah bad type of stuff uh again good system uh great models Uh, yeah if you don't know if you don't know what the uh uh all quiet on the martian front is it's basically taking the concept of war of the worlds and putting it into world war one-esque time frame yeah uh, all the human factions have uh, tanks that are similar to World War One style. The Americans are steam powered, uh, and then all the Martians are three-legged, you know, pod walkers. Mm-hmm. So they're pretty cool. Um, but you know, as you said, chased out, chased out uh, by pitchforks and uh, torches. Yeah. 
So uh, that was there. Um, and there was some uh, X-Wing. Oh, yeah? Upstairs. I think there was an X-Wing tournament downstairs. Okay. I didn't see any Armada, though. That really? That was really odd. Uh, Armada was huge last year, of course. It, you know, That's where it, yeah, it just came just out. Came out. Uh, I did get a, a steal of a deal on two of the uh, Mont Calamari ships. Yeah, I noticed that. Um, we'll as, talk about Steel Center here in a minute. Yeah, I was about to say, not as good as uh, the outright theft you made, but... <laughs> Uh, but it was it was pretty good uh, pretty good deals. Uh, the the big Mon Calamari ship I I got I think I, it had to be at least forty five percent off yeah. on both of those. So that's the other thing about this convention. You know, people will bring their stuff. Uh, the the vendors will bring their stuff, and a lot of times we'll just hack the. Uh, the so you know, it's always n- nice to get in real cheap to the show mm-hmm. because the, the the budget for the weekend can then be spent on toys. Oh, certainly. Uh, and and that's, that's another thing I like. And it, it's great. It's a great thing to do because it br- continues to bring the vendors back. Right. E- even though they are slashing prices to the bare nubbins sometimes, um, it, it's good to, to support them right. and bring them back. The other nice thing that they've got there is what they call the silent auction. Yeah. You're done playing with something. You can put it out on the table, put a minimum bid, put a buyout price, and someone else is going to come by, hopefully, and buy it to use. nice thing about that is 10% of whatever it that item got bought is given back to the school. Right. Uh, program. And I should also mention, if, if you've got a, just a ton of stuff that you want to get rid of, you can get your own dealer table, and I want to say it's like twenty-five bucks uh, for the entire weekend. Um, you'll have to double check I, uh, if you're interested in that. But uh, I had occasion, oh, probably five, six years ago. I had a bunch of stuff I wanted to go ahead and get rid of, and I went in with a couple of my friends there in my there in Kansas City, and we got a table for the weekend, and. We brought the stuff that we wanted to sell, and a bunch of it sold. Some of it didn't, but you know we definitely made our twenty-five bucks back. That's for sure. Yeah. And um, actually, now that I think about it, uh, if you're saying, yeah, I forgot about the silent auction, the ten bucks, because or the ten percent, I should say, because I, as we were leaving, we were walking out. I was looking over where they had the silent auction set up and there are these guys over there and I happened to see a box with a bunch of half half clipped GW sprues it's that gray plastic that GW's been using for the past about 20 years or so and I thought oh, I'll just go take a look see you know, maybe it's some silent auction stuff that's still out the silent auction was obviously over at that point but um I was just looking. Oh, okay, it's some some lizard men. That's neat. I'm not particularly interested in lizard men right now. I could probably see getting some later. But uh, one of the guys that was there at the table said, "Is anything in particular looking for?" And I said, "Well, no. I mean, I've got got a Skaven and an undead army that uh, that, <laughs> that you know might need some bolstering." And I looked in a box, and it was a bunch of Skaven. And when I say a bunch of Skaven. <laughs> Imagine of a group of Skaven and then double it. That's how many were in there, and uh, kind of like Soviet uh, tanks. Kind of like Soviet <laughs> tanks. 
and I told the guy, I shouldn't have looked in that box. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, he, he wanted to move it, obviously, and he said, well, throw this in too, and it was a screaming bell already assembled, and a Skaven screaming bell, and he said, what do you give for it? And I thought for a second and said, how about, how about 30 bucks? And he was with a younger guy, and the they kind of looked back and forth, and I think he said that they had come from Indiana, so I'm thinking that they didn't want to take stuff back with them. And we just <laughs> we just stood there looking at each other, kind of a Mexican standoff. And here's the deal with sales. My my first cop, my first job right out of college was selling cars, and I learned early on the first person to talk loses. So <laughs> once an offer's been made, the first person to talk loses. And so I just looked at them, and they looked at me, and they kind of looked at each other. <laughs> and the older one says, "Well, you look like a nice enough guy, and I hope you run. I hope you use these figures in a game that you run here next year." And I said, "Okay, deal." So <laughs> peeled off a twenty and a couple of fives, <laughs> hustled buns <laughs> out of the gym with this enormous box of figures. Um, if you've been paying attention to my Twitter feed, you've seen the pictures of what I what I ended up getting out of that box. It was a Skaven. Uh, Screaming Bell, about 90 various infantry Skaven figures, uh, something like 25 Chaos Cultists, uh, 25 Empire, uh, these are estimates, of course, 25 or so uh, Empire handgunners and three cannons with crew. That was outright theft. Yeah. <laughs> I told a friend of mine about it, and he said, Jesus, what'd you do, put a gun to their head and leave <laughs> leave 20 bucks on them? So, yeah, there's deals to be made there, that's for sure. Um, and it's, you know, it's a, you know, heck, that's a great way to get someone into into the game, you know, into a game, is if, if they're kind of on the fence about wanting to get into a particular game or just gaming in general, not just recruits. Take them to any place that has a bring and buy, because someone's going to be slashing prices. You know, just you know, keep an eye out on what you want, and you know, kind of gauge what's going on at that particular convention. If there's a lot of people buying stuff, go ahead and buy it then. If there's not a lot of, a lot of people buying stuff, kind of hold off till Saturday afternoon or Sunday morning, right? And see how see how that pans out, because that could be a great cheap way to get into into a new game. I I know uh, another convention that has uh it's not a silent auction uh but they do have a uh kind of a a sunday morning uh grab bag fest as it were where people can come in and plop all their stuff down onto a table uh it's called millennium con down in austin Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's normally first part of november they've had to dance around the uh the f1 race here lately because all of the all the hotel rooms within a hundred mile radius get sucked up by that. Yeah. Uh, but the uh, that's another thing to do, and I know people there are, are, make deals because they just don't want to cart their stuff back. Same thing with a lot of the, the vendors. A lot of times mm-hmm. they just don't want to, you know, drive back with all the stuff that they yeah. brought out, especially if they're out of out of state or out of the city. Yeah. Um. Well, we're, we're just about running to how long I wanted to go today. I, I have to mention, I have to mention the folks 
that were I forget the game company, but they have three rule sets all based off the same same basic idea. And we played well, like I said earlier, my kids and I and my wife played Wasteland Warriors, which is their post apocalyptic version of their rule set. The Old West is called a uh, fistful, fistful of lead. Fistful of lead, and then they also have a French and Indian War version called Bayonets and Tomahawks, or Tomahawks and Bayonets, I forget which. And I have to say that the guy who was running the Tomahawks, Tomahawks and Bayonets game does an outstanding job. Uh, I played in his game last year and had a really good time. He uses 54 millimeter. That's two inch tall, two and a well, almost two and a quarter inch tall figures, and they Gorgeous. are exquisitely painted. Oh, beautiful. Um, just real. It's just a pleasure to play the game because the figures look so nice, and the train that he has set up has is so nice. I put a, again. Check out my Twitter feed. Uh, I put up the one picture of the game that I took. I'm gonna go ahead and get back in the archives in in. I took a ton of pictures last year at the game he he ran he ran with a lot of the same figures this year, different rule set but a lot of the same figures. Yeah, well, looking on the looking on the internet here, it's Wiley Games, and we'll have them in the show notes also. And they do have pictures of uh, Chris's 54 millimeter French and Indian figures, which are absolutely gorgeous. So I think that's going to be enough for now. Uh, Chris, it's been great having you on the show. Um, if you can fit it in your schedule, we'll have you on sometime again in the future. Maybe sure. not every time, but um, we'll go from there. Uh, so with that in mind, I just want to remind everyone, check out your local game convention. Um, if it's if for some reason you haven't been going because it's not fun anymore, well, you make it fun. Okay, You run a great game that you know that you like you get other folks to come and enjoy it as well, okay? So let's keep our local game conventions strong, and that's how we can grow the hobby. Um, again, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for 20-plus uh, years, well, no, 30-plus <laughs> years of being my gaming buddy. Oh, thanks. Uh, it, was, it was quite fun. Uh, we'll definitely uh, do it again. Um, the only other thing that I would like to add is the uh, as you said go to get going to conventions if it's not fun make it fun also support your local game stores absolutely I can't um, well of course you want to support King's hobbies and games because they're our sponsor but right it doesn't hurt to support your uh, local game store as well yeah and uh, if your game store is like our uh, locally um, they've got places for you to play if you play there, by there. Yeah, I can't agree with you more. So, on that note, uh, happy gaming and have a good time. That is all. The Venom War Gamer is copyright J. Arnold 2016. Show notes are available at theveteranwargamer.blogspot.com Music courtesy of bensound.com <laughs>